fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Kyle Hey everybody and welcome to episode number 19 of the third season of the Fantasy Fullback Dive brought to you by the good people at the Rotor Street Journal. I of course am your host Nat the Truth Jones with me as always the wolf of Rotor Street himself in his new apartment without the intern crammed in the basement um, ready to talk some you know some controversy some differences that we've got on the wolf's grading big board uh, and we're going to go a few rounds, legit. The Wolf and I are going to go a few rounds. The Wolf goes, mm. you know, toe-to-toe with some of these other guys from time to time. He's always kind of going toe-to-toe with me. We're like kids in the same class, like shooting spitballs at each other. But we're actually going to, you know, we're going to put the gloves on and actually go for three or four rounds today. How you doing, Wolf? I'm looking forward to it. Boxing's always a good workout. I don't know if the uh, old man body over there has what it takes to go four or five rounds with the Wolf. I guess we'll find out, though. Dust off those gloves, baby. I know you can throw a few haymakers. I'm, I'm, not, I'm very confident in the one or two swings, but can you go for the four or five rounds? Can you go the distance? We're going to find out, but I'm stoked. It's going to be a great episode either way. I always love debating with you, uh, but also we're just kind of taking people behind the curtain today, giving you a sneak peek at the fantasy stock formula. I mean, this is kind of the... We talk about what differentiates us from other fantasy sites and what makes us better. I think this grading formula is one of the keys to that. Um, so I'm really excited to kind of let you guys in behind the scenes. How do we grade all our players? Um, what goes into that? And why is our system so much better than everybody else? So we're going to let you in on, on those little secrets, our secret sauce here at RSJ, um, before we go into who we graded, how we graded them, and why Nat disagrees with a bunch of them. So I, I can't wait. It's going to be a loaded, jam-packed, huge episode 19. I have a, a feeling it's going to be one for the books. Yeah, I'm just as far as what the old man bod can tolerate. Let me just tell you that less than two hours ago, I uh, finished, you know, cutting my entire lawn with a push mower and it is not even ground and it's like an acre and a half and it was like 80 degrees and humid. And I did it in one in one spot, like didn't break or anything. So, you know, the old guys still got a little bit left in the tank. Um, I will also just say when we talk secret sauce, because to me, this is the secret sauce. The grading system is the secret sauce. And although I certainly disagree with you about plenty of stuff, overall, it's a really good piece of work. Like, I agree with way more than I disagree. But getting Mm -hmm. back to the secret sauce, obviously, when we talk about that, we're talking about the Big Mac, right? Yeah. Fun fact about me, I've never had a Big Mac before. Really? I've never had one. You know what's insane and makes that even more of a fun fact? What's that? Is I acted like I was surprised. I've never had a Big Mac in my life either. Look at right. It's like the type of thing when someone tells you that it's like, it's like they they tell you they're like a, a virgin and you're like 28 or something. And you're like really, and but like you are too. <laughs> you're like, oh my gosh, you really, God, oh. man. And like in your head, you're just like, oh. <laughs> no, I mean, I, <laughs> I've never had one. Thanks that I've crossed that one off after uh, meeting a few. I'm trying to think of like the late round sleepers that are crossing my mind. Corderell Patterson's and Frank uh, Gore's yeah. in my day. Uh, I've been able to at least cross that off my bucket list, you know. Sure. But 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 yes, I, I've never had the Big Mac either. So I one guess these, we're, when we should get together that. sometime and we should each have one. Just break our Big Mac cherries. Just, just to, yeah, just to say we had one. Get, what do get, you think is, before we keep going, what's the GOAT, like, tier one fast food item of all time? Oh, geez. For me? Yeah. Uh, uh, 
you're just talking the basic fast food places, McDonald's, Wendy's, Burger King, stuff like that. You can that. throw Taco Bell in there. Uh, I mean, honestly, for me, it's probably the 20-piece nuggets or the double yeah. quarter pounder with cheese, probably. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what, what about you? Nuggets are real tough to debate. That's just a staple. It's steady. It's consistent. Uh, sweet and sour sauce. I would, would you bathe in a, in a pool of sweet and sour sauce from McDonald's uh, if you could? Because I, I would. Yes, I would love to. I, I've legitimately drank a cup of those just like without nuggets. I had an extra cup one night and I just drank it. How I'm, disgusting I'm, is that? I mean, I've done that plenty <laughs> of times. I mean, if there's one left over, what are you going to do? Just sit around and wait for next time? No, you, you chewed it down like a shot. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. It goes great with uh, yeah, a little whiskey. Yeah, um, sure. but no, we're on the same page. We, we're we're both we're equally <laughs> disgusting in this respect. So disgusting. Right. Yeah, we've never had a Big Mac. Uh, my favorite though is the the cheesy gordita crunch from Taco Bell. Just a go to great yeah. item. Okay, fair enough. Um, all right. When we come back, we got a jam-packed agenda. Let me tell you what we got. We're going to really break down the fantasy stock formula, the C- the aforementioned secret sauce uh, that mm-hmm. we're talking about. We're going to maybe give 10, 15 minutes to this. Uh, we really, really w- want to drive this home because, I mean, you listen to us because y- you like our opinions. Hopefully, you like the back and forth. But there's actually some uh, you know science behind this. I guess. You could call this science, right? Data, whatever, uh- whatever you want to call it. Um, it's 100% right. It's, yeah. it's not just like, you know, throwing darts at a board. This is like the wolf puts a ton of thought into this. He gets a lot of pushback from me and a lot of the other guys around here. We're really going to explain to you what we're doing, why we're doing it. Uh, then we're going to come back. The wolf and I are going to go head to head on a couple of the things that I don't agree with. Uh, some of them are going to seem like really hot takes. Um, but, but I believe everything that I'm saying. And then if we got time, we might do a few more rapid fire kind of like small disagreements. Uh, and if we got time, we'll, we'll hit you with a glossary term on the way out. So, uh, anything else? Am I forgetting anything else? Jam-packed and all very crucial stuff, so I can't wait to dive into it. All right, let's do it. We'll be back after this. Suspended, ooh, you got suspended for chief and a hundred blunts, 14, 400 minutes. Fans on it. Now, if there is a song, a jingle, something that has to do with the secret sauce, I'm sure that Nate will have found it and it will be playing in the background right now. I don't know what, what such a thing. Maybe, maybe the, Big, the Big Mac song. You remember the Big Mac song? No, I have no, no idea what that is. You're dating yourself. I, yeah, I, I would be so lucky as to date myself. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, no, there was a song that used to be on the McDonald's commercials about the Big Mac that I don't remember. But anyway, um, oh, I, I know what you're talking it's like about. Like two something patties, special, rap special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickled onions on a Sesame yep. Street bun. All, Sesame yep, yep. Seed I know bun. exactly. What you're something like about. that. Anyway, I don't remember all the words, but it's one of those things that's kind of drilled in there. Definitely. One of those things that, by the way, you know, as you get older, you'll discover your brain can only hold so much stuff. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, my brain is filled with stuff like old McDonald's jingles and 1980s baseball statistics. So uh, and I would love to be able to force some of that stuff out and like remember like where I left my keys. But right. That, exactly. That is not my happened. mom's birthday. <laughs> right. right. Any, any of the above. Any more pertinent information. I do remember my phone number from the house we lived in for a year when I was four. A hundred percent. Me right. too. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. There right? you go. Right. The, the mind is a fucking weird thing. It is a, it's it's a weird sure. thing. And I would love to clear out some space. Anyway, we're going to talk fantasy stock formula, uh, copyright, uh, of the Wolf of Roto street himself. This is this don't try to rip this off folks, because even if you stole it, you couldn't do it as well. Um, the mm-hmm. wolf breaks things down into a number of categories. You're going to, each player gets a rating one to a hundred. 
Um, each category is weighted a certain amount, and we're actually going to get into it, tell you about those. And, and this is stuff we've gone back and forth on and changed over time. Yep. But anyway, play, players get ratings from 1 to 100. Um, who's the highest rated player that you have right now at any position? Todd Gurley? Uh, Todd Gurley, and, number and one on number, the big board. And what's his number? Todd, Todd Gurley got a 98. He okay. was pretty damn close to perfect. So 98 is our high guy. I'm assuming Le'Veon Bell probably just below that and some other guys. We're going to get into it. Wolf, what are the categories that go into the fantasy stock formula? Well, I think that's great that you said categories because, I mean, when you think about fantasy football, nowadays, it's, especially with the rise of advanced analytics and all these things, everyone's kind of seeking out that one stat that's going to truly unlock a player's upside, that one guy that breaks down the film so perfectly you're going to know exactly what happens. And unfortunately, that just doesn't exist. It's this holy grail quest that is never going to get satisfied. But like you mentioned, there's many categories. There's not a single stat or a single expert or, or any of that. There's no one factor, no one ingredient but a recipe. We keep talking about secret sauce. It's not an ingredient. It's a recipe. Um, and those, I think there's kind of boiled it down last year. We only had five factors and we've updated it. Like you mentioned, you know, trial and error, learn to, to put some weights on different things and whatnot. Uh, and I think there's six indicators. I call them indicators. Cause again, that stock market theme, when you're looking at stock, uh, in the Wall Street, you look for indicators or signs about where a stock's going to go. And, you know, even if Matthew McConaughey and Wolf of Wall Street's like, nobody knows where it's going to go sideways. You know, Jimmy Buffett, nobody can predict it. Warren Buffett, Jimmy Buffett, nobody knows where it's going. That great quote he has. You know, in, in fantasy football, it's actually quite obvious what these six factors are. So when I say them, it's not going to sound that groundbreaking, but what is groundbreaking is actually taking all six, kind of boiling them down into one formula, one score. Um, and again, like you mentioned, weighting them the right way. And we're still kind of playing around with that. So if you listen and you have feedback, uh, talent's too high, or you know, we'll get into the categories in a second. Always open to feedback. But here are the six categories. There's talent, which we give up to 30 points for. Opportunity, which we give 25 to, opportunity usage, we call it. Surrounding talent, we give 15 points to. And then there's coaching scheme, risk, and upside, which all have 10 points assigned to them each. All of these add up to a total of 100 points, um, giving you a, a diverse score. And again, what we love about this is considering those six factors, talent, opportunity, surrounding talent, coaching scheme, risk, and upside, you get a very holistic picture of your fantasy product. So many people stop it at talent and usage, and that's going to be a breakout fantasy season. What we saw with Todd Gurley you know, two seasons ago, he didn't have the coaching scheme or the surrounding talent, and he ended up being a huge bust despite being an enormous talent with tons of carries himself. He didn't do anything anything two seasons ago. So that's why we, we think there's got to be six total factors with many of those often being overlooked by other people. We combine them all into one thing and give you this complete holistic stock profile. Um, and the goal is to have that on every single player this year too. And so talent is what you would consider the most important. I mean, yes. 30, 30% of your entire score comes of that. So, I mean, like if you're not a talented guy, I mean, honestly, it probably means you're not on the field in the first place. So it's a given. Most of these guys, you know, if you're going one to 30 on talent, you know, most of these guys are, are scoring 20 and above anyway, right? Yeah, most of the time. Now, there are obviously some, you know, counterexamples. Let's say Lamar Miller, for example. I think I graded him as like a 17 or 18 talent. <laughs> it's so um, funny that when, when we were – when you were saying that, because my first, my the, the literally the first guy that popped into my head was, well, Lamar Miller might not be a twenty. 
Exactly, right? <laughs> you know, like he's certainly not a 20, but he's still seeing, you know, 24 usage or opportunity. So that's where this, you know, the grading comes in is even if the guy's not the best talent in the world, he could see enough opportunity and a good enough offense to still have a, a decent fantasy score um, and still produce good fantasy numbers. But obviously, like you said, talent is the most important, um, in my opinion. If you're, if you're a talented player, you're most likely that's going to trickle down to all the other factors. You should be getting the most opportunity you should you know be able to supersede the surrounding talent if you're that good it won't matter you know how good your line is if you're that good of a running back um obviously it matters somewhat but you're not as susceptible to be tanked by a bad uh surrounding cast if you're very talented so yeah we think it's the most um important it's it, you know there's varying opinions too how do you judge talent is it the stats is it those metrics or is it a film guy i'm personally a film guy i know you are too we're both kind of old school in that sense you know is this running back seeing the hole before it opens the quarterback making every single throw and staring off the defense is the wide receiver making catches in traffic and ripping yak off you know all those different things you can kind of just see who pops off the page on film I love that I do take into stock you know Scott Barrett we had on a couple episodes ago he unveils some unbelievable metrics that genuinely do matter he has a series called metrics that matter so I read all those and I think it kind of illustrates what we're seeing on the film Um, but ultimately I'm more of a film guy when I evaluate talent myself all right we're talking like opportunity or usage you're talking you know how many carries a game is a guy gonna get how many targets does somebody get usually and I mean and this could also take into account like are you the number one or number two receiver so what cornerback are you drawing on the other side are you a running back that is gonna be in line to get a lot of receptions stuff like that yep exactly work courses looking for an opportunity and usage who's going to be getting completely fed the ball who's going to be you know seeing every target that that's what you want to see and of course you know usage is almost as important 25 points away from talent because we've seen so many frustrating times where talent just rots away on the bench and it doesn't matter if you're not seeing the field as a talent so usage is definitely the second most important just again looking exactly volume how much volume is this player projected to see we talk about aerial pies and now ground pies too you know what's share of those ground and aerial pies is this player going to have going into the season that's when you grade out the usage and again the higher the score and what's cool about this is as we're talking that i'm kind of picturing article series like you know usage we can have you know a whole series on bell cows and workhorse reports um you know target hog reports fantasy fast food as i like to call the lamar millers like going to see tons of volume even if it doesn't fill you up or feel great because the talent's not there you're still seeing opportunity and volume as kelvin benjamin the lone target hog in buffalo so these categories kind of lend themselves to their own sub separate type of articles and categories in a weird way too which i just find interesting we got surrounding talent 15 mm-hmm. which is not an insignificant amount of the total no. of the total thing I struggle with this. I, I struggle. I, I feel like even when we when you were trying to get feedback on the system in general, I feel like this is one of the ones that I might have pushed back on. Uh, and I think you might have actually changed the number as a result. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I feel like this should be worth even more. Yeah. Um, just, you know, be, because of stuff like Gurley and stuff, although I guess that, that falls more into scheme when he had that lousy year uh, a, a year or two ago. Scheme, of course, coming in. You get ten. I, I I struggle with scheme. Maybe maybe that should be worth more. I don't know. You just kind of froze up bad there. I'm talking. Oh really? Can you hear me now? Yeah yeah. You had it was it was going perfect until you got to scheme and then you just kind of froze. All right. Well, what I said is I, I said that sometimes I think scheme should possibly be worth more too. I mean, you know, if you you okay. know, 
I I look at guys that end up. This used to happen more, like in the '80s and '90s and stuff. You'd see someone in just like a dead end offense. Elway played in just a dead end ball control offense for such a mm-hmm. long time. That's why Fisher was such a standout with Gurley. It's like who even runs like offense like this anymore? Especially when you have this guy. I sometimes wonder if scheme should be worth more than ten. I don't know. Yeah, I think those are all fair points, and that's again we'll see how it plays out this year. Um, yeah, it's one you, great you know, thing about this is that you can change it year to year. There's there's nothing in stone about this. Exactly. You know, like you said last year, we had every category as 10 points, and we only had five categories, and we're giving scores out of 50. So, I mean, we've completely revamped it, and we understand it should not be equal anymore. But these weights are still, you know, heavily variable. We could definitely open to feedback about some of these examples you just listed are perfect examples why maybe scheme and surrounding talent should value more. Um, and surrounding talent to me is more more important than scheme. I, I think, I agree. Uh, you know, especially as a wide receiver, for example, you need a quarterback that can deliver the mail as a running back. You need blockers in front of you that open up space. Uh, obviously it helps to have all three around you. You want those juggernaut teams. You know, it's no you know, coincidence that some of the highest scoring fantasy players year in and year out are those guys on those pow- high powered offenses that don't leave the field that are constantly in the red zone. Uh, surrounding talents crucial, I think to fancy success. But like you said, scheme is not insignificant either. Jeff Fisher is a, prime example of why a just complete vanilla forcing his you know round pegs into square holes type of offense doesn't work right here you get a new guy like uh sean mcveigh and why i bring him up too this is perfect the rams is just the perfect example of both of these they upgraded their line they signed you know sammy Watkins and robert woods and drafted cooper cup so they beefed up the line they added all this surrounding talent so surrounding talent went up for Gurley. coaching scheme goes from a zero of jeff fisher to Probably a 10. I would say McVay is a, a complete 10, especially for running backs because he li- loves the merging of the running and receiving game we always talk about. So you look at a guy like Gurley who always had the 30 talent or 29, whatever you want to say about him, had 24 to 25 usage in his past. But then these two factors combined for 25 points, you know, that's a, almost a zero before the Rams were god awful surrounding talent wise, too. So it, it goes to show Which that puts those him two- like in the Joe Mixon like category, you know, Exa- you take you know, those points yeah. away, right? If, if Cincinnati had just upgraded their line this offseason and added maybe a, a player or two, yeah, yeah, I think Joe Mixon would be primed for a Todd Gurley-like breakout. But ultimately, their, their line is still god-awful. Their surrounding cast doesn't seem great to me. Their coaching scheme still seems pretty vanilla. We'll see what Bill Lazor does. So, yeah, I, I think those are all you know interesting. Another name to bring up. Um, but, you know, can this guy manage the talent? Uh, is the coach uh, creative? Is he aggressive? Um, will he go for the home run? Is he still trying to pound teams into submission even when they're up? Those are all factors that go into the coaching scheme for me. And then we got our last two categories, 10 points each. That's risk and upside. Clearly should be categories. I mean, you're giving 10% of the total pie on each of them for this. Risk, I mean, I'm assuming you're talking about everything from, I mean, injury is the predominant thing. Also, you could take into account like off the field stuff. Um, you you know, losing their job, stuff like that. I mean, these are all yeah, factors. And, and but I, I mean, I would imagine kind of, risk is probably mostly injury, right? Mostly injury. I also boil into uh, the consistency of the player. You know, are you getting a guy that sees steady volume every single week and you know you're getting 10 points for, like a Michael Thomas? 
or you get an Amari Cooper who's going to have 30 fantasy points and win you a week and then disappear for six weeks. That's a, a risky start every single week. So I put in the uh, the consistency ratings, Tristan uh, Cockford, as much as I'd like to bash ESPN, that guy does some pretty awesome consistency ratings. So I look into those when I grade out players' risk. Uh, but injury too as well, past injury history, running styles. Just a guy that takes brutal hits play in and play out. It's a receiver that's going over the middle like Julian Edelman that's going to get destroyed on a weekly basis. Those are all things that go into risk. And then obviously upside is just, you know, is this guy going to win me weeks? Is this guy's season-long ceiling, you know, potential season winner, a cheat code, I like to call him, Deshaun Watson and Todd Gurley? Um, Or is it someone that's just kind of capped and you know they might have a decent floor, Frank Gore, over the past few years? Yeah, he's been okay, and he's kind of finished as a top 15 running back so many years in a row, but it was always going to be the running back 15, and it was always going to be 70 yards and then the occasional weekly touchdown where the upside just isn't really there. I do think if there's any category I was going to shave some points off of, it would probably be upside. Maybe it's more of like a five-point bonus, and I can kind of work those in elsewhere. Uh, But ultimately, it's still crucial. You know how much I love upside. I, yeah, I, I agree. I just I agree with what you said about maybe shaving some points off because I believe that it is attached to talent. I think yeah. that those two are not exactly the same, but pretty similar. Um, and maybe maybe uh, upon hearing you talk about the risk thing, I almost wonder if consistency should be like a five point category. Uh, mm. You know, well, well, anyway, we'll get into that later. This is the, it, yeah, the exactly. formula as it stands. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, we're always trying to make this thing a little bit better. So that's of the course, fantasy yeah. stock formula, guys. I mean, that's it. Yeah, and, and it's a great point, too, is like, yes, we can probably make this better, definitely. But ultimately, when you look at what else is out there, there's nobody evaluating all these six factors at once. So whether we're exact science as to where the weights need to be, which I'm sure there's still some tweaking to go down, uh, ultimately, the fact that we're considering all six of these factors as one major grade, one recipe for success is so far beyond what I think anybody else is really doing as they uncover these cool stats and everything like that. It is cool, and great film breakdowns exist nowadays, but ultimately, you got to weigh in on all six of these things if you want to consider consistent, you know, holistic look at the entire fantasy product. I think you need all of this. I agree. And all those great uh, tools that exist out there. Yeah, we're going to use those to make our ratings. So thanks. Exactly. Um, Anyway, we'll be right back right after this. Wolf and I are going to go a few rounds on some of our disagreements over his grading board right after this. All right, we are back. We're going to go round one, disagreements. And actually, as it turns out, we're going to go four, and I have one at each fantasy position that we're going to talk about. Some of these might mm-hmm. not come as a surprise to the Wolf. Some of them, he might be a little bit taken aback. But let me just start. And these these boards are not out to the public yet, right? Is that correct? No, this is not yet released. I'm glad that you kind of dropped that. Um, and the last thing before we get into it, too, if you want to learn more about the fantasy stock formula, just go to Roto. No dash or anything between them. Stock formula is one word. RotoStreetJournal.com slash stock formula. Great article, great breakdown of all those categories we were just discussing with kind of some links and different things to categories to illuminate more with specific players. Um, But no, these are not out on the site yet. We're actually working on some interesting tools with a a web developer. So I'm, I'm super excited about that. 
where we we're creating it so you can kind of filter it by talent and then have that category sorted. Um, if you want to kind of relook at oh workhorse report, who's getting huge usage that might be lower on the board, but is still seeing usage um, even if their total stock scores lower because their talents all the, like Lamar Miller for example. You know we're we're working with people to develop that um, so there's sortable grids on the site for everybody um, and even customizable grids oh, where wow. you can enter your own scores. Let's say you, you disagree with mine and you want to we you agree that this is the best way to evaluate talent, but you think the wolf's a moron. I uh, can't disagree with you sometimes, so feel free to delete you know, the scores and fill in your own, and it will calculate your own scores for players. Lots of cool, exciting things like that in the work, but no, not up to the public yet. Um, so this is kind of a little sneak preview for you guys, All right, you podcast folks. Well, I, well when I read stuff that I got, I'll, I'll try to fill in as much so you can kind of visualize it as, as, as we go along. All right, first yep. one. You got this guy as your third wide receiver, Odell Beckham Jr., okay? <laughs> I knew that you would not be surprised to hear me go after you on this one. Now, I've been betting you since, you know, after the Super Bowl pretty much that Mike Thomas was going to be a better pick than this guy. I'm not going at yep. you about Mike Thomas. You actually have them rated out the same, and you only have Thomas at four where you have Beckham at three. So, you know, it's not like I'm going to be scoring too many points on you on that. It's not even like you really disagree with me that much on that particular thing. And I think that's what's an interesting point. And you, you haven't even made know, your point. But go but, ahead. Which I'm going to let you obviously go and rip, rip it to shreds. But what that kind of illuminates, Nat, is I, I think both of them have incredible fantasy upside. They're both 93s on the grading. But you might like floors and consistency, whereas I love the upside. I like the fact that Odell Beckham, you know, we know what we're going to get with Mike Thomas, and it's going to be great, and his ceiling probably is higher than we've even seen uh, so far. But Odell Beckham could just, like, be a season changer and rip off 2,000 yards and 15 touchdowns, and that's where I side with. Even though they're the same exact grades, I'm going to go with the upside every time. That's just my style. Right. Well, the guy that's not even the guy I'm going to rip you for. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to okay. go at you on one where you're going to kind of be like, "Wow, I had no idea he felt this way." So, you are too <laughs> high on Odell Beckham Jr. and I'm actually going to hit you with a guy that I would rather have than Odell Beck- Beckham Jr. that you have a little ways down the list. And that is Roto Street Journal favorite Tyreek Hill, who you have at wide uh-huh. receiver 8 right now. Okay, I would not be shocked at all if he outscored Odell Beckham. So let me let me hit you with a couple of issues that I have here. You got wow. Odell Beckham as a 30 to 27 edge on talent. That seems like a real stretch to me, first of all. If you want to max out OBJ on talent, that's fine. Have you seen Tyreek Hill play? I mean, have you seen his skill set? Oh. What are you talking about, 27 on talent? Like, who, who are these guys that are more talented than Tyreek Hill? He's like... I, was so- let, let, I mean, I, and I'm, I got more too, but I, I just want to start there. That seems like excessive three points in one of these categories is, is quite a bit. Uh, Tyreek, Tyreek Hill's talent think, is off the chart, man. Uh, of course his talent and what he does is off the chart. He's a complete burner. He's dangerous with the ball in his hands. Uh, he gets more separation than anybody in the league last year. The guy's a freak. He's just not yet the complete refined route runner and can just dominate on every single layer of the field quite yet. If he he could become like he's got the raw potential to be as good as Odell Beckham in terms of every level of the field and running those short intermediate routes to perfection. He's not there, in my opinion, he's not as complete of a receiver as some of these other guys graded out higher than him. Um, and he's a little bit smaller in sure. stature. Although Odell Odell's Beckham's not a not big guy. guy. Odell's not a big guy. He's like five ten, five eleven. 
He's not winning. Even Odell, though, he kind of has the jump ball skills and kind of like those crazy one-hand catches. I don't see Tyreek doing those contested one-on-one situations quite as much. So that's where he grades out just a couple I points. I agree, but he, but he doesn't have to. They get about last year, no. and I know ODB <laughs> played, I think, in, in what, five games or something. They get, they get yeah. about the same number of snaps a game. Hill has substantially higher yards per catch. Um, Odell Beckham mm-hmm. gets targeted a couple more times a game. Although, like this is going to change a lot, I believe. Uh, Tyreek's added a really solid wide receiver too to bounce off his quarterback, who mm-hmm. you love, is now an actual deep ball guy, which is what Tyreek Hill is. So I'm a little bit mm-hmm. surprised that you're only giving Tyreek Hill a 13 to 12 edge on you know his team's talent on outside talent. To me, the Chiefs mm-hmm. have more than uh, a one-point edge as far as like surrounding talent. That seems low to me. Then when you say 23 to 20 edge for OBJ on usage, maybe as far as the targets, I would give him an edge on stuff like that, the jump ball situations. Tyreek Hill also is, is a legitimate runner. He's a legitimate returner. I don't know. To mm-hmm. me, that would maybe bridge the gap there. Maybe not totally, but at least another point or two. I mean, last year, ODB, like I say, was talented. He was targeted maybe three more times a game. I have a hard time believing that will go up. Um, Hill seems more <laughs> like much more of a deep ball threat than OBJ, or really just about anybody. Um, and, and I'm wondering yeah. why their risk is equal. OBJ had a season ender last year. What, what's what's why is their risk both eight? I think a little bit of this is all kind of boiled into the same type of factors. In that, I think the Chiefs just have such. A, a more stacked cast around Tyreek Hill, particularly with Sammy Watkins. At it. I know Watkins last year was kind of a flop with the Rams. He had eight touchdowns, but under 600 yards. So, and, and you're not a big Watkins guy, nor am I, because he's just no, so but I inconsistent. See value in this offense, in this offense, and we've seen in the past. I mean, Watkins has had alpha wide receiver one stretches. So I am just a little bit nervous. The amount of money they chucked at him, you know, forty-five million or whatever insane amount that was. I think Tyreek Hill's a better player. I think he's a better fantasy product. I think all of that's true about him. But is there a slight chance that Watkins just eats into it enough that it becomes almost like a one A one B, and it's you know uh, rather than I, I think Odell Beckham's clearly going to be atop that target totem pole no matter what. In New York, whereas Watkins, Travis Kelsey might be the top target there. I mean, they, Kareem Hunt is supposedly catching the ball even I mean, better Terry out of the backfield this year. Terry Hill had 105 catches last year. Uh, but his targets were his targets were you know very minimal, and that's what I feel good about with Tyree Kills. I don't think he's going to get less targets than he got last year, and he just did so much damage on him last year that I see him doing pretty much what he did last year. Whereas I, I just think his upside's a little bit capped because of how much else is around him. Whereas Odell Beckham could emerge as those targets he was getting every you said those target stats. I think those continue. I don't see any reason why those would go down. Whereas Tyree Kills kind of capped out at what he is. Um, and to me, that just makes it feel a little bit riskier, a little bit less usage, no matter how talented he is. You know how much I love the guy. He, he's made our, you know, he was our moneymaker yeah. last year. He's the guy that we went against every expert on and he panned out for us bigger than anybody else. So I, I soft spot in my heart forever for Tyree Kill. It's just more so that that offense is so loaded that I see him being more prone to the occasional disappearing act week to week than Odell Beckham, who I think is just going to have a steady bevy of targets every Let single week. Let me ask you this, because I'm not even saying okay. 100% I would take Tyreek Hill over OBJ. I'm not, You'd I'm not trying, well, I don't think I would be, but I, I think that I, I'm not trying to be in the OBJ business. So what I'm saying to you is I would rather have Tyreek Hill in the second round than OBJ in the first round. And... I believe that the amount, the the price that you're going to pay for these guys, Tyreek Hill 
in, is a far superior value, in my opinion, for the price they're going to. OBJ in the first round scares the piss out of me. Like, I'm not touching the guy. Tyreek Hill in the second round, especially if I've solidified something good with my first pick, that, that excites me. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I would love to have to potentially both of those guys, even though you know I'm a workhorse breeder. Oh, right. I, I love... Uh, an early down horse. So I'm probably going running back first round anyways. There is that tier of runners, though. It gets a little sketchy where it's like Dalvin Cook off the season. Oh, right, actually, I'm going to be I'm, that's gonna be one of my beefs. So uh, that we'll, we'll be hitting okay. with that one in round three. Oh, interesting. <laughs> All right, we'll get there. Uh, but ultimately, yeah, again, it's more so everything around Tyreek Hill. There's just so much talent that, yes, that's take away attention, and he's going to have some of those enormous weak winners. Uh, but – the, the only other thing, too, is we, as much as I love Mahomes and I think he's going to be the breakout quarterback of the year, he isn't a guarantee yet. If he falls flat on his face and the Chiefs look like complete morons for letting Smith go, that would obviously tank Tyreek Hill. So there is a little bit of unknown factor in his quarterback as well, which creates just a little bit more risk as much as I think Mahomes is going to be a better quarterback. Yeah, than do you Eli think Manning. Eli Manning is, is like a slam dunk? The guy's no, but we know what he can do. We know he can get the ball to to Odell Beckham, and can he do it well? No, he's not great. The but guy's getting worse every year. Done. Like Pat, he's What's getting that? worse every year. And Pat and Pat he Mahomes is. is like maybe Deshaun Watson. I love him. You know how much I yeah. love him. So yeah, I mean, ultimately, if you're an upside chaser, yeah, this just, this Tyreek Hill should excite you. Anyway, I love him. All right. Yeah, anyway, you know that's this. round one. We'll be right back with round two okay. after this. Uh, Chucks on the feet, hunters on the laces. You ain't saying nothing unless you talking big faces. Same on the t- All right, round two. I got a beef with some quarterback rankings of yours. Uh, Let's go. I think you're too high on Kirk Cousins. I'm not, okay. a, I'm not a Cousins fan. I know uh, a lot of people would say he's upgraded his situation substantially by moving from Washington to Minnesota, where he's going to inherit a pretty good uh, receiving core and potentially a pretty good running back situation, although Dalvin Cook is coming off an injury. Can't dispute the fact that the guy has a ton of talent. Um, mm-hmm. You got him as your quarterback six. You have mm-hmm. Ben Roethlisberger as your quarterback 10, I believe. Um, I feel like that is a little bit nuts. And you know, okay. I know that you're an upside chaser, and so you know I'm willing to I'm willing to like take a step back and try to look at the big picture here. But let's talk about this. You've got okay. Cousins as an edge on talent, which seems a little bit weird to me. I mean, Roethlisberger is an extremely talented guy, and he's proven mm-hmm. it year after year after year. You give Roethlisberger only a one point edge on surrounding talent, which seems doubly odd to me. I mean, the Pittsburgh offense. I don't know. I'd say second to none as far as, uh, you know, as far as surrounding talent. can go. Well, he's got so 15. He's got the perfect score for surrounding talent. Well, I mean, and, and maybe that's a flaw in the system because to me, like, they're more than one notch better than, than almost anybody, certainly than Minnesota. We'll see. We'll talk about that in a minute. I mean, Minnesota okay. has good wide receivers, no question about it, and a potentially very good running back with a lot of risk attached to him. But Roethlisberger has, like, the best wide receiver, the best running back, and a wide receiver, too, that I think we both agree could be a top 10 overall wide receiver this mm-hmm. year, right? Yeah. I mean, that is just an arsenal beyond arsenals to have at your disposal as a quarterback. Um, I mean, the I mean, I remember the game they lost to Jacksonville in the playoffs. I mean, it was just ridiculous. He's just, what, Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown had like six touchdowns between them and like a jillion yards. 
It was just mm-hmm. amazing watching that machine happen. I mean, their defense let them down, but honestly, that leads to more opportunities for Roethlisberger and the offense to roll out there and score points. I feel like giving Cousins a two-point edge on risk seems a little bit strange. It has to only be referring to injury, mm-hmm. uh, which I would not say is a six for Ben. I would say that seems a bit low. The guy plays through injuries all the time. Um, and as far as like... What's, so brave, right? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm dating myself a little bit, right? But yes. <laughs> but I mean, I would say that you know, you look at the scheme and that's part of risk. Like, you know, is this going to be a bust? Is this going to work out the way we think it is? And I feel like the Steelers offense is not only, I mean, it's a very safe bet. Not only is it explosive, it's a very safe bet. Like, you know what you're going to get with these guys as long as they're healthy. Um, I think giving Cousins a nine to eight upside, uh, upside edge over Ben is wrong. I feel like Ben's upside is clearly a 10. I mean, he's the quarterback mm-hmm. of the Steelers. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know how you could give Cousins an edge on that. I mean, let's not bet the ranch on Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen just yet. Like, they're good. They're not on the level of guys that are established, like, superstars, like top one, two, three fantasy guys in the league year after year. Explain to me why you would rather have Cousins than Big Ben. All right, yeah. Uh, I would say the best point you made there is the upside of, of Big Ben. I think eight's low. You're right. At his best, if Ben hits his ceiling, it's 5,000 yards and like 10. 35 TDs. We've seen him do it. So I think that needs some adjustment. I, I agree with that one. Uh, otherwise, the, there's one concern you didn't bring up about Big Ben, which right. factors into his talent and his risk, and that's the home road splits. I mean, when he gets yeah. on the road, you know, you there, he becomes unstartable in a lot of these games. <laughs> I also think that the you're not wrong. You're not wrong. That's a good point. The, you know what I mean? Like there's half the season. He's a, an absolute stud that you want in your lineup and he throws for 404 TDs and you, you couldn't be happier, but then he gets to the road and he faces the Ravens and he throws for 252 picks and you, he just tanks you. Uh, so in that sense, was that factoring uh, that into fact, your risk rating? I mean, you had him yeah, as a six. Is that fact know, factoring into that? A hundred percent. Cause okay. you look at the consistency ratings, um, that goes into risk. And I, I think, his consistency just isn't there a week to week. If you told me we got home Big Ben every single week, then yeah, he'd be like the top. He'd be number three on the quarterback list because he's so good um, in those games. But the conference to me is just brutal. Uh, you know, those hard-nosed games just get physical. Even against the Bengals, you don't have a great defense. Bodies are flying everywhere. Uh, so that that factor in the talent and risk for me is the on-the-road splits. Plus, he's just old. I mean, he, he's yeah. old. Um, he's talked about wanting to retire. So, I mean, obviously he's coming back. So it means the mental edge should be there. There should be some fire. Uh, but ultimately there, there's so many hits, you know, he's played through lots of injuries, like you said, in his career, but at this age, is he still going to be willing to strap it up when he has like a broken rib, like he has in the past? Uh, plus you said that the scheme is just a guaranteed locked in Steelers offense, but they did lose Todd Haley this offseason, who they've had for six straight seasons. You imagine that the coordinator coming in, his uh, quarterback coach from last year, should be smart enough to you know keep everything in place as it is, and in fact have better chemistry with Big Ben is the reason they're, they're rumored to keep him. But that's not a guarantee either that this guy is going to be able to call such an explosive attack and game plan every single week the way that, that Haley was able to. So ultimately, those three factors, the injury, the on the road uh, splits, the age, plus the fact that we don't know if this scheme is going to be as good in the past makes Big Ben a little bit riskier than I think you're giving him credit for. Whereas Kirk Cousins, 
he's been getting it done you know, over 4,000 yards three straight years with, I'd say, pretty shit talent around him. I mean, Jamison Crowder has been his top talent. Josh Doxson's breakout has yet to come. Terrell Pryor was garbage. And yet he still threw for over 4,000 yards. Now you give him Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, who made Case Keenum look like a hero last year. I don't think Case Keenum's that good. I think that was a product of the system uh, and the people around him. I think Diggs and Thielen are maybe the best, uh, one of the best duos. Obviously, Antonio Brown and, and Juju. Come on. Exactly. I was like, wait, the guy I'm comparing to has a better duo, so that's not correct. But one of the best duos, I think, Adam Thielen um, and Stephon Diggs, plus Kyle Rudolph, who you got to mention. I like Rudolph. I do like Rudolph. Um, And and I just love the coordinator who came in over from Philadelphia, DeFilippo. Uh, is just comes in with an aggressive no huddle type attack. Went out and got the quarterback that he thinks is most cerebral to run that. Uh, has great weapons all around him. I mean, if this guy is just dominating, you know, in in the Redskins situation, I think everything has come up spades here, and that we have yet to see the best of Cousins, and that this is going to be the situation that lets that all unfold, in my opinion. All right. uh, upside, though, I think I agree. Big Ben versus Kirk Cousins. I mean, Big Ben, we've seen just have humongous ceiling. So at minimum, they should be equal, if not Big Ben above them. Other than that, I think I graded out Cousins more appropriately than Big Ben. uh, And I think he's higher than a lot of categories outside surrounding talent. All right. We'll let the public decide. We'll come back with round three right after this. If you get ear, you're the plastic and the passion and the magic in the air. The flabbergasted avalanche of ambulance. All right, we are back with round number three. We're going to talk running backs. And I'm just going to say, we've got this weird list of running backs, maybe from wide receiver or uh, running back six down to maybe running back 15 that are just, I don't know, man. It's like the, some of them are interchangeable. It's like it comes down to who do you like? We actually got. All the way up, Jarek McKinnon, actually, all the way up at running back seven. Then we got Dalvin Cook, Kareem Hunt, Leonard Fournette, Melvin Gordon, Devontae Freeman, uh, LaShawn McCoy, Mark Ingram, Jordan Howard, Jay Ajay, Rashad Penny. Anyway, I mean, Kenyon Drake. That, that's a tough lift, list to differentiate between. I'm going to tell Absolutely. you one guy I take exception to, which is I think that you are too high on Leonard Fournette. You have him as your running back 10. I think you're criminally low on LaShawn McCoy, who I think you have at 14. We got an 87 to 82 overall fantasy stock profile uh, lead for Fournette. I just think this is wrong. I think you're giving too much credit to the so-called surrounding talent of Jacksonville. Buffalo is depleted. I believe you gave McCoy a uh, five rating as far as his surrounding talent out of 15, which is, I have to assume, about as low as you can go. That's the um, lowest on the list. Yeah, yeah. And that might be a good I mean, Buffalo's, Buffalo's garbage. I agree. But, I mean, I, I'd say, like, look, let's look at the Jets last year and how garbage we all thought they were at the beginning of the year. They ended up being a halfway passable football team. I mm-hmm. think it would be – I think giving them a 5 out of 15 is just an amazingly, amazingly low score. I, I mean, we look at Buffalo's scheme. I mean, you give Fournette a, a pretty substantial advantage on scheme rating – I mean, Buffalo's scheme is to pass a run to McCoy almost every single play. Um, you know, to me, that is that is a benefit to him. I mean, if anything, McCoy's injury rating maybe should be even lower for risk. I forget what you put him at, but I was like, oh, man. I mean, maybe I mean, maybe you had him at six, seven, something like that. Yeah, I have him at six here. Yeah. I mean, I don't really trust Fournette either in that respect. And maybe I'm being unfair to him. I consider Fournette a pretty big injury risk, too. The I other have Fournette stuff, at seven, McCoy at six. Yeah, so I mean, they're, they're pretty damn close on the injury risk. Yeah, I mean... At the cost that you're going to pay for these guys and the tiers that you're putting these dudes in, I would rather have McCoy 
or even some tier five guys more than Fournette. I would probably rather have Kenyon Drake, Jay Ajayi, maybe, maybe even take a fly for the price. For the price. Okay, for the price, you can keep saying about anybody. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, you're talking, you've got Leonard Fournette. What's Leonard Fournette on your big board? He's like second round guy? 11, 12, right right around the tail end of the first round. I would so, I would never in a million years spend an end of the first round, beginning of the second round pick on this guy. So when I'm talking- But you would take Shady. uh, I'd be more likely to. I'd be more likely to. I mean- um. You got five guys. I mean, the consensus, just, you know, the consensus out there, the ECR, who I know we're not huge fans of, I think they have Shady as the RB7. Yeah, and, and so I, I think mean, this I'd goes to Kenyan illustrate. I'd rather Drake, Jay I might rather take a flyer on Rashad Penny or grab Alex Collins for the price than take a first-round flyer on freaking Leonard Fournette. Are you kidding me? But, so I, I think you're way too low on Fournette and way too high on Shady, and I'm not even a diehard I'm Fournette even, guy. This I, isn't like, I, I mean, I'm just offended by the lack of respect that you're giving Shady. I, I Look, I have Shady on a keeper league where I get to keep two keepers. I'm letting him go. Like, you know, you know I'm letting him go. I'm keeping that, DeAndre Hopkins and Rob Gronkowski, and I'm letting Shady go. Gronk versus Shady is an interesting debate. Yeah, I think on my big board. Those, later. We should talk about that later. We'll talk about those two later. Uh, but in terms of it, you know, you look at Shady's grades, 29 and 30 on talent, 25 out of 25 on usage. I mean, the guy gets complete, you know, Sterling grades in the most important categories. But I'm seeing this as a last the, two years ago, Todd Gurley. The surrounding talent is just non-existence. It used to be okay because their line was pretty solid. They had Incognito and they had Cody Glenn at left tackle and they had this beastly line in front of them. So even when they, you know, they were running the ball in a vanilla scheme, at least he had open space. Their line is maybe the worst in football right now they got rid of anyone they had of talent they didn't really replace him with anybody so i think that's god awful as much as i don't you know think blake bortles is anything special aj mccarron is his first year as a starter i mean that those two at best are a wash so give me the jacksonville line which was already beefy and then they add andrew norwell the best free agent lineman of this year's class that line upgrade is like worth five to six points in my opinion um especially because you know they have even though they don't have a true alpha over there since they lost alan robinson they've got interesting marquise lee and and dante moncrief and you know all this bevy of weapons obviously our guy dd westbrook so i mean there's enough to move the ball okay even if there's not a big bonafide name um and i just think the line upgrade again is huge for surrounding talent especially when it comes to running backs and shady's got no line no quarterback no surrounding talent to take any type of pressure off of him then you look at the fact that he's turned 30 with high mileage this season which is almost always an injury for a running back so the risk is greater in my opinion even if i have Fournette at seven still risky with his ankle and foot problems historically uh, so you know he's not risk-free by any means i just think he's fresher he's younger he's more ta- you know i don't even have him as a higher talent at this stage of his career i have he's shady not great. talent I mean, he's not i don't have him as such either but i think his the scheme is very run heavy they're going to keep pounding Fournette. their line is upgraded so they're going to continue doing that they talked about feeding Fournette more in the past game this year as well uh so ultimately those factors all give me a, a clear edge to leonard Fournette. um maybe even i'm okay so let's say i upgrade the surrounding talent to like a seven for the Bills. The lowest other surrounding talent I had was an eight. So, okay, five might be a little bit aggressive. Uh, but ultimately, a seven still brings him three to four points below Fournette. 
I don't even think it's close. I'm not touching Shady this year. I, I think all those other factors outside of talent and usage, which again, as high as they can be for Shady, the two most important, yes, but you need that other stuff with it. And to me, he just doesn't have that other those other things with him. I might not touch Shady this year either, probably because he'll be gone before I would get a chance to take him. I think that more other people would value him more than me. I think it is tough. You make a lot of good points. His upside's is, ten too, by is, the way, and, and which, which it should be. He has huge upside. I mean, what, if he what was stays he, healthy somehow? I what mean, was he and, last year? What where, what was his running back ranking last year? Fans, uh, he ended up being you know right where he usually is, Six, running, something t- like between, that, and definitely in the top ten, if not seven, eight. You know, he he was right there, maybe even five. I forget his exact. He was ranking. he was up there, and I mean, I think that while you make good points, he's got a lot of mileage on him. He's thirty. You know, the surrounding talent is not great, although probably not five, not great. Um, I think it's it's very hard to predict. There's nothing there. Yeah, it's still five. Is it's like, a waste. This is this is Rams. This was Rams, and the offensive coordinator Brian Dabble or Dabble, however you fucking say the guy's name, is useless. He's had a whole useless career. Put, I don't even think you would call the Browns last year a five surrounding talent. Like, and they yeah. went and they went zero and sixteen. So let's like I let's let's reel in the uh, the aggressive uh, lousy talent scores just a little bit. I would say this. I think it's hard to predict. Okay, this guy will fall off the cliff this year. It could happen. You could be right, and I mean, if it does, thirty-year-old running back. The signs are there. Okay, okay. I mean, I, you know, if the guy gutted out another top ten running back year, I would not be surprised. And that's Um, again why I have his upside to ten. And there's a lot of guys below Fournette other than McCoy that I would also take over Fournette. Uh, that and some of those ones you were throwing out blow my mind. Yeah, I mean, but those those aren't guys I would take over Fournette. I'm not going to be in the Fournette business. Okay, I'm not drafting the guy. It's like OBJ. I'm not drafting him. These guys, yeah. I believe, would be exceptionally good fill-ins for a guy. I'm, I mean, like you know, for someone who blows a first round pick on one of those guys, I'd love to slide in the next round with Tyreek Hill or in the fourth round with Alex Collins or something, and just be like, yeah, man. And like, who knows who I picked up in in between? That's yeah, what, that's what we call master drafting, Wolf. Anyway. <laughs> Fair enough. Anyway, we'll be back right after this with round four. Oh, oh, slow it down. <laughs> My brain is a beast, ain't it? Can all my sexy ladies wave your hands right here? This track is peanut butter, so we jam right here. I'm flirting. With all right, we're gonna hit tight ends last, and on all the other ones, I've said, "Hey, you're too high on this guy. You're too low on this guy." Um. That's not how this one's going to go. This is just going to be, I'm going to stare you in the face and say, what the fuck are you thinking? <laughs> I can't wait. And to I know it's, it's killing you. It's killing you. Huh? You, you want to guess? Uh, are you some Jack Doyle boy? What, what'd you say? Jack Doyle? I don't know. You are Jack Doyle out of your boy? fucking mind. Having Jordan Reed as your tight end number six. What is wrong with you? Are you kidding me? Like you've got, so, you have got to be joking. And I mean, let's not even look at any of his like rating numbers except risk, which you have at one, yep. one out of ten, which is by the way the correct score. Once you've mm-hmm. got a guy ranked one in risk, he can't be the anything six. He, so I mean, he's he, not. He's a, like a you know the tight end. 20 maybe like you can't draft this guy as the sixth tight end are you crazy and Talk i wouldn't know so this, he's the he's the sixth highest score remember you made me resort him at, yeah. after right. i had great all out right. he's the sixth highest great tight end which brings up interesting points is when you look at the formula this guy is grading out very high again even and, you, with and it's driven down by your risk score 
substantially. And, and it, it's as low of a risk as you could possibly have, yet he's still grayed out that high, which makes me think, you know, I had Jordan Reed at like 110 on my big board. I wasn't touching him necessarily. Even remember our but, draft day lessons? Before the sort, you had him at eight. Yes, I do. Before the sort, he was still your tight end eight, which I still think is crazy. So to me, though, look at it. Okay, so after you take Gronk, Kelsey, Ertz out of the equation, big top three, then to me, Evan Ingram and Kyle Rudolph are kind of in their own tier. I agree. Greg Olson, Jimmy Graham are like my next two, um, who are graded lower than Jordan Reed. You're probably too high on Graham, but go ahead. Um, Jordan, Greg Olson, Jimmy Graham, Delaney Walker, and then you're looking at like Trey Burton and George Kittle Mm -hmm. and Tyler Eifert. I mean, none of those three are guaranteed. Then, and then it drops to like Vance McDonald and Ben Watson. You know, it drops off fast. Whereas if you look at Jordan Reed, if this guy actually stays on the field, the biggest if in fantasy football, he's not going it's not to. not even he, oh, an if. Most gaping of vaginas. I agree. Like it's not going to happen. He's going to get hurt. But if he somehow – remember like two seasons ago, he played 14 games. He was in contention with Gronk for the tight end one. So you're telling me this guy's going in round 10. And you look at it. You can't dispute the fact. 27 talent. I mean the guy moves on the field better than any other tight end when he's healthy. Does he's he still? It. I mean like you know what what happens when you have 47 concussions? Do you come back the next year and you just move <laughs> like you know a gazelle running through the, the savannah or something like that? Like what, what, what are you talking about? Right this watering hole, baby. This guy – you, I mean, round 10, Jordan Reed, no thank you. No thank you. Like, the guy the guy is not going to stay on the field. We say, if Jordan Reed stays healthy, that's like saying, like, He's if, not going to. if Terrell I, I Owens think... gets a phone call and gets put on the Patriots, like, he could have a big year. He's not, he's... his phone's not ringing. He okay. One, he's he's not going to stay on the field. There's no. You're, I have him at one for a risk, as for a big reason. He's not going to stay healthy. I'm openly admitting that. But the games he is on the field, assuming he doesn't have this lingering stupid shit going on, which he could. Again, one risk. He's playing with a quarterback who loves throwing at tight ends in Alex Smith, especially in the red zone. He's playing in a scheme where he was the funnel piece of the offense when he was actually on the field and healthy. He's the number one target. There's nobody else there contending with him. Who's going to take the Jamison Crowder? Going to be the top guy? Come on. Not not even close. So if Reed is healthy, again, not going to happen. But when he is healthy for those two to three games, he's got talent. He's going to be used heavily. He's going to be the highest target guy on that team. As you know, who was the guy from Washington that came on the pod and said, this offense funnels through Jordan Reed when he's Grant healthy? Paulson. Grant Paulson, exactly. Big name out there in Washington. Very high. You know, I respect his opinion greatly. He was the one that said Tyrell, Terrell Pryor was going to be a huge bust, and clearly he was right. Um, you know, surrounding talent, though. Alex Smith loves the dump-offs, loves the dink and dunks. Jordan Reed's as good as anybody in the dink and dunk game in the intermediate. He's so smooth in his routes there. The scheme is you know, completely pass-heavy and funnels through the tight end, so that's a great score for him. His upside's obviously as good as anyone outside of Rob Gronkowski when he's on the field. So, I mean, you look at all the categories outside risk, and Jordan Reed grades highly. And that's what's interesting was, like, I, again, I was saying I'll never draft Jordan Reed again in my life after last year because of how angry he made me. But if he's going around 10, if I can buy him for a dollar in my auction, like, why the fuck not put him on your bench and see what happens? Especially when he grades out so well in all the other factors. I didn't want to look at Jordan Reed. I didn't want to touch Jordan Reed this year. But then I graded him out, and I was like, holy shit, Jordan Reed could still be a fantasy beast that I could get in round 10. I'll take it. Auction draft, if you could get him for a buck, that's different. There's a lot of people I'll take a flyer on for a buck, even Jordan Reed. But any sentence that starts with, if Jordan Reed stays healthy, like you can just kind of stop listening to the rest of the sentence if you want and disregard any point that was made after that point. Okay, And, <laughs> and you know fundamentally that I'm correct about this. 
So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's almost like if your risk is that low, it should just supersede all the other things. It should just like automatically wipe all your other scores out because your risk is so low. That that's that's my proposal for the system moving forward. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I made it as glaring and obvious as possible. This guy is going to get hurt. He's a huge risk. Uh, but if you can get him at that, you talk about price at that price right. point, you keep saying that I do keep at saying 11th, 12th round price. There's not that much risk anymore. Like what, what's the risk of a 12th round flyer? I'm not starting him and getting garbage. <laughs> he's not going to get you. If you're starting him, it means he's on the field and you're not going to get garbage unless he gets knocked out that game, which is very, which he almost certainly will. But yes. anyway, all right, uh, that's it. We'll be back to wrap things up. Right after Me your Venice Beach, working on my base, no blind street, swimming trunk, 30k in arms reach. I'm on the boat in the water like a swan's feet. Just show respect and kiss both sides of the dance cheek. Alright, we are gonna wrap things up here. Great debates. Enjoyed going four rounds with you. You know, it's one of those things I feel very confident going in. And I'd say about two of those I still felt confident at the end. Maybe two of them you made me start rethinking myself afterwards, which I, I guess is the sign of a worthy adversary. So good job. I enjoyed that. Uh, and I can't wait till the, the big board with the grades becomes uh, public information. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm really excited to release these uh, scores to the public. We're just figuring out again, the best way to release them. And like you said, great debates. You have me reconsidering some, some different things as well. I thought the, the callouts were all very fair callouts uh, in particular, Jordan Reed, like as I graded him out, I was, I, I threw up when I graded him. Um, and I should have known, I, I, I don't know how I didn't guess that that was the one you were going to come at me about. I, I didn't even I see was surprised. I, I was like, Oh, you're going to say something about Jordan Reed, aren't you? Yeah, I should have known. I should have absolutely known. I didn't even think he could be up that high. So when you pointed out, I was like, Holy shit, he is that high. Uh, but I'm glad you brought him up. Cause again, it is, if he's, if Jordan Reed, which get you wipe out the rest of the sentence. Uh, but again, tons of untapped upside. If he can somehow stay healthy for a 12th round flyer, I I'm telling you, I I'm, Never thought I'd go back to the Jordan Reed well, but if the price is what it is right now, come season, oh, I could I could swallow back the puke and do it again. Man, I would love to see you go all in on Jordan Reed. <laughs> anyway, uh, I know the Wolves got you know kind of a little bachelor pad party going on. Speaking of which, well, settlers the, of Catan. Speaking you, of which, never played Catan. I haven't, but I'll bet I would love it. I mean, I, oh, I you'd be such a settler guy. Um, but yeah, no, this was a, a great debate, and what we're actually going to do. Next week is have a few more of the RSJ crew on. We kind of doing this as a grading summit. You know, you know, ESPN does their ranking summit. This is kind of our version of it. I do all the grades on my own. I, you know, Memorial Day weekend, I just sat there, banged them all out on that Monday. I had off from work for you know eight hours straight. Loved it. Kind of just graded, 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 graded. But that does not mean I think they're perfect by any means. Debates like this, you know, Big Ben's scores have already been updated for a little bit more upside. Things like that. I need the input from the RSJ staff. So we got yours tonight. We got a lot of your calling cards. And I know you're going to keep commenting on the document. We're going to have next week. CJ should be on. Maybe we'll get Keegs. I know Hopkins wants to join in. He started writing a bunch of feedback to me already. Uh, so I know he wants to tango with the Wolf. You know, obviously, AJ Gambali loves dancing with the wolf too. So, getting everybody's eyes on this, so that way we roll out a you know whole staff type of grading, not just one guy's opinions. We get everybody in there, uh, give you the most holistic fantasy stock scores out there. Uh, and again, I hope it was useful for you guys to know how we grade people too, because I think our system is genuinely by far the best in the, in the league in, in the NFL. If CJ's coming on the pod, he better bring the heat because there have been there have been uh, there's been a fizzle out in the past with him. We we have high expectations for the Salt Man, so bring your A game uh, next week, CJ. 
Um, you got any social media you want to push? Can always find us at rotostreetjournal.com for the main homepage. Roto Street Journal on Facebook and Instagram. Roto ST Journal on Twitter and Snapchat. Myself personally, Roto Street Wolf on Twitter and Snapchat. Been getting great interactions again. Um, and of course, you can follow our, our podcast. We have a great site for it now, ffbdpod.com. Um, you can find episode show notes, we're calling them, at ffbdpod.com slash 19. That will be the episode notes for this episode um, where we'll have video content and we're going to start even including little bonus content on these uh, show notes. So check those out. Check out the sites, all the social medias and, and interact with us. We're going to start opening the mailbag back up now that fantasy is really starting to be in the air. We want to get that mailbag open again. So get those questions in. We want to take care of you. We want to be those experts that get to every single question. We're not those guys that think it's cool to say we don't care about your team. No, we do care about your team. We want to win you your leagues. So let us help you out. Sounds good. My name's Nat the Truth Jones. And I'm the Wolf. See you guys later. So hold for the applause. Oh, oh, oh. And wave out to the crowd. And take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go. But at least we stole the show. 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 Straight ahead. Devlin. Second down. Third effort. Touchdown. Oh. That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned football right there, folks.